God be the glory. Larry, you've been singing from your heart today. Rest your brothers and sisters have as well, but it's been all over your face. Amen. Thank you for leading us. Church, I halfway apologize because you've got to listen to this nasty voice. But I love what Pastor Rex said. We didn't come to hear man's voice or lack thereof. We came to hear the Father's voice. Jesus is here and he's speaking today. It may be just making me a little bit more quiet so you can hear him even better. Would you take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 12? We'll be there together in a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here today. Lord, I ask that the meditations of our hearts and the words from my mouth will be pleasing to you today. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to give very close attention to what it is you have to say. On this time on our culture, thanks of Thanksgiving and family holiday, somewhere woven in there is this idea of thanks. And Lord, as we've lifted up our thanks to you today in praise, you have given us so much more than what we deserve. Father, would you show us how you're calling us to live in light of what you've blessed us with. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, be thankful that I had strep throat or some kind of whatever with antibiotics going for the last three days. Because my heart is so excited that you probably wouldn't be able to stand the volume of noise that would come from here if I didn't have some kind of thing getting in the way. So don't feel bad for me. You just sit on the edge of your seat and let's press into what Jesus has for us together. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we find Paul giving us these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He has given you mercy. He's given me mercy. He's withheld things that we deserve. He's given us things that we don't deserve. That's called grace. And and in light of these things, in view of these things, you and I are to live a certain way. To offer our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. Thank you, brother. Oh, I'll just give you a kiss, but then you'd get sick. I better not do that. Thank you, friend. In view of God's mercy, we are to live a certain way. Now, I ask a question. Do we really live in view of God's mercy, or do we live in view of what we feel like we are entitled to? Do we live in view of God's mercy, or do we live in view of what it is we feel like we have earned, or what it is we deserve? You see, what we have been given, we are called to give. Jot that down. What we have been given, you and I are called to give. Now, many of us, so the next number of days, will gather around tables at home or we'll travel to see family and, and you'll see some extended family, some that you love dearly, others that you're learning to love dearly, and there'll be a temptation to recall this point and say, what's been given to me? I'm going to give back to them. You give me bitterness, I'll give you bitterness. 
You give me a bad attitude, I'll give you a bad attitude. You give me the cold shoulder, I'll give you the cold shoulder. But that's not what's happening here. What we have been given, we are called to give. Well, what do you mean? Jesus has given us love. He's given us grace. We are so thankful for it. We sing about it today. But it should impact the way that we interact with everyone around us. We see that this is not just a suggestion. This is not just something that is for a few, but this is for all of us. This is a command, not a suggestion. John 13, 34 says this. Jesus is speaking. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This sounds good, it sounds nice, until you find yourself in a situation with someone who's kind of tough to love. And Jesus says, I've commanded you, love one another the same way in which I have loved you. If we refuse to show this kind of grace, this kind of love, then there's some things we need to understand. Either we are a grace giver or we can be a grace stealer. How? When we don't show grace... We steal grace that is not ours to keep. We are to love one another the way Jesus has loved us. The kind of love that Jesus has given to us was not intended to be kept for ourselves. It's to bless us, yes, but it's to be given away. What you've been given, you and I are called to give away to others. Well, where do we get that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Colossians 3, 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord gave you. Well, how did the Lord forgive you? Because you deserved it? No. Because you earned it? No. Because you were close and you were on the bubble, you almost got an A, but you were at a B? No. He gave us so much of what we don't deserve. He says, hey, I'm calling you to love that way. I'm calling you to forgive that way. Those who've been forgiven, you must forgive. Ephesians 4, 32 gives us similar language. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Just the way that Christ forgave you, we need to forgive. We need to give love and grace the way we have been given love and grace from Jesus. In Matthew 18, we find this, this story where Jesus is talking about those who've been given a, a debt that's been forgiven and, and this unmerciful servant and what takes place. And we come to the end of this story in verse 34 and 35. In his anger, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he would pay back all he owed in light of all the things that he'd been forgiven. Verse 35, Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, Paul goes on and he gets specific. And this is where the heart is, where I want us to be today. I think that the Lord has for us. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. Look at it with me. I'm going to read it loud. You, you either look at the screen or look at your Bible. If you have your Bible in your hand, that's the best. Or your device in your hand, that's the best. Because that's going to go home with you. Or it should go home with you. If you forget it, then you're going to come back and get it. And I want you to see it in the context of the scriptures that you have with you. Because Paul is very specific here for us. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17. Do not repay evil with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If his throat hurts, bring him a bottle of water. Yeah, you already did that. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now look at this picture on the screen with me. As I was studying this passage of scripture, this came to my mind. And I think there are two paradoxes that that Jesus is calling out to us today. Which one are you? Are you a grace-giving, gushing waterfall of water just pouring out of you? Grace just oozing out of you because what's been given to you freely just flows out of you? Or are you a grace-stealing, stagnant swimming pool of nasty, yucky, mossy stuff? You see... Grace flows out of the heart of some people. It just oozes out of them. They just give grace as as if it's just flowing out of them. And when it comes out of them, it's cleaning all the debris. It's unclogging all the things in their life. Not only blesses everyone around them, it blesses them themselves. But there's some who appear to be a grace hoarder. They receive this grace that we have sung about. Where God has forgiven us of all of our transgressions. He sees everything. Every sinful thought. Every sinful deed. And he's given us so much grace. And yet there's some who say, that's for me. But don't you dare wrong me. Because I'm going to hold you account. And they just hoard it up. And there's no outlet for the grace. It's, It's only inputs. No outlets for them. And weird things begin to grow in their life. Mossy. Dirty, bacteria-ridden junk splashes out from time to time whenever you bump into them. Well, let's go back to God's Word here in Romans 12, 9 through 21. And let's look at the, the, the contrast between a grace giver and a grace stealer. Grace givers are genuine in loving others. Where grace stealers are hypocritical and loving others. Where did you get that? Well, let's look at verse 9, the first part of it together. The first part of verse 9 says, love must be sincere. Must be sincere. If you're a grace giver, you don't have to pretend that you love someone. You don't have to fake it. You can love freely because your love is not based on that person's performance. Your love is based on grace. But if you're a grace stealer, you find it very hard to love some people and you're hypocritical in your love. You have to fake it 
in your love. You may put on a nice outer show, but inside it's, it's very hypocritical because you are judging others, trying to hold them to a standard that you yourself cannot attain. And so it doesn't mean that you don't show love. It doesn't mean that you're not a nice person. It doesn't mean that you don't appear to be friendly. It just means you're a grace stealer in the way you love. Sincere, graceful love says, I can, I can love any of you. Because so much has been given to me that I don't deserve. I, I can love you when you don't deserve it. Because that's what I've been given. Are you a grace stealer or a grace giver? Remember, grace has been given to us by Jesus and we're not to keep it to ourselves. Let's move on. Grace givers hold on to the good and want nothing to do with the bad. Grace stealers latch on to the bad and sidestep the good. Let's look back at the verse again. Verse 9, the second part. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now this is huge. Don't miss this. A grace giver looks for the good in people. They cling to the good. They hold to the good. They're looking to see, is there any good? Because I want to bless you in that. As a grace giver, I want to to see the good and I want to hang on to that. This is more than just hanging on to the truth. Yes, the scripture will talk about hanging on to truth and hating what is evil. Love what is godly. Hate what is of Satan. But when I see good in you, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. If I can see Jesus in you, I want to hang on to that. And a a grace giver says, I'm going to look first for the good that is in you. They don't keep score. They don't keep a a record of wrongs. And when they hear gossip, and let's be clear about what gossip is. It's not just lies. Sometimes There's lies that are gossip. Gossip is information that is not yours to share or to receive, whether it is true or whether it is false. When they hear information that is not theirs to give or to receive, when they take it in, they want nothing to do with it. I I don't want that. Even if it's a juicy tidbit, even if it's something they know that everyone else around them would want to hear. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They hold on. They cling to what is good. They hate. They, they want nothing to do what is bad. But yet there are grace stealers. You, you've been around some. They seek out the bad. They go on a private mission to expose the bad in others. When they find some lesser good in, in the mission of finding the bad, they just sidestep that good. They ignore that good. Even in their efforts to find something wrong with you, they may accidentally find something right with you. And, and when they find something right, they go, oh, yeah, 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 but let's look at what's bad. Do you see the, the paradox? Do you see the, 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 the difference that grace stealer, regardless of the grace that's been given to them, they want to stick it to everybody else. And they hang on to the bad. And want nothing to do with the good. Do you know people who are like that? Do you know someone who always appears to be critical? In every situation, all the time, it's their gifting to be critical. Have you been around those people? If you can't think of somebody, then maybe you are the somebody. I don't know. But here's sometimes a common defense of, of the critical person. But Brady, I'm right. 
and I'm a truth sayer. Since when does grace have anything to do with you or me being right? Grace is about me giving what is not deserved because I've been given what's not deserved. Well, let's move on because my voice hurts and I could tell it hurts some of you to hear some of that maybe. I don't know. Which are you? A grace giver or a grace stealer? Grace givers prayerfully strive to put others first and find joy in serving. That blank there is to put others first and to find joy in serving. Yet, grace dealers, they meditate on how they have been shortchanged, how they have been cheated, and love being served. Look at the verse with me, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Now this one's a little bit different. Grace givers, as you would expect, they work hard to put others first. (coughs) It doesn't just come naturally. They work hard to put others first. And they truly find joy in serving someone else. However, grace stealers, they seem to turn inward. They meditate, they focus on how they have been cheated, how they have been hurt. It's always about them. Now here, we don't see that they're engaging in activity to to outwardly try to hurt people. It's that they're not engaging in activity to help people. The great stealer says, I don't have time to, to see how I can serve you. I don't have time to try to put you first because I've got to look out for my own pain, my own hurt, my own needs. I'm so preoccupied with what's been done wrong to me that I can't be a grace giver. I've got to hang on to it for myself. So much so that they love being served. Why? Because of their pain, they deserve it, right? But look how bad I've been hurt. Surely I should focus on myself in this moment. Friends, some of the most grace-filled people I know have been wounded the deepest. Don't miss this. But they have taken their eyes off of what has been wrong in their life, and they fixed their eyes on Christ, and He brought joy to their heart as they serve someone else. When you are giving grace to someone else, it doesn't invalidate your own pain. It brings healing to your own heart. Here's one that's a little bit similar. But Paul takes it into more detail. Grace givers really look for some opportunities here. Look at letter D. Grace givers look at others' pain as blessings. Others' pain and blessings as opportunities to minister to them. When they see other people's pain, other people's blessings, they'll see it as opportunities to minister to them. But a grace stealer fixates on how others have failed them. How others have failed them in their own pain, in their own time of sorrow, in their own time of celebration. Someone didn't come through for them, and so they're not about to give grace to others. Look at verse 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Here, this one is is similar, as I said, but it goes a little bit deeper. 
Grace dealers take every opportunity to fixate on how others have failed them. They say things like, no one ever celebrated the award that I got like that. How come nobody threw a party for me? When I was sick, nobody brought me a bottle of water like Pastor Edgar brought Brady a bottle of water. Why didn't they care for me that way? When, when I got promoted, nobody made it big news. Why, why are they making it big news? Because they got promoted. When, when I was discouraged, no one had a, a word of encouragement for me like they have encouragement for everybody else. And so whenever they see somebody receiving blessing or whenever they see someone who is mourning, they can't see it as an opportunity to minister to them. They see it as an opportunity to compare and say, I didn't get that. Why should they get that? I didn't receive it that way. Why should they receive it that way? And friends, it is a grace stealer. If you're a grace stealer, friend, could I just say as lovingly as I could, stop it. You have already been given so much grace, so much that you don't deserve from Jesus. If you get nothing else from now until your last breath here on earth, you are ahead, way ahead of what it is that you deserve. When we give what we have been given, we are to be grace givers. Finally, grace givers see injustice as an opportunity to freely give what is not deserved. Grace. While grace dealers look at injustice as a chance to get even and get what they feel they deserve. Revenge. See, blessed are those who persecute you. Excuse me, bless, it, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's verse 14. Verse 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so this is a, this is a big one. This is huge. I'm not sure why so many people think that they should show grace when they feel like it or they should show grace when the person merits some kind of, they deserve it somehow or they've shown some kind of contrition somehow. They, they've humbled themselves, therefore I'll show them grace. When we stop and think about that, it's obviously crazy. Grace by definition is not deserved. What do you do when you see injustice? Set them straight. Point out how wrong they are. How about being a grace giver? Grace givers look at injustice, all injustice, as an opportunity to show grace. Yes, but Brady, it's my job to stand up for what is right and for what is true. Yes, we stand up for what is right and true. But we need to square with what the Lord is telling us in this verse. The Lord says, he will avenge. He will repay, not us. It, it, it warns us, don't try to get in on God's wrath. He will do that. He will set the scales. He will repay what needs to be repaid. 
But when we give grace, it not only has an opportunity to bless the person, but we have an opportunity to live as a gushing waterfall of grace, clearing and cleaning out all the crusty junk in our life. It's much better to live as a grace giver than a grace stealer. Better for everyone around you, but better for you and better for me. I know that it may seem impossible to give grace to someone who has really, really hurt you. I understand that. I don't want to belittle that. I don't want to just sweep that under the rug. But Jesus has said he will give us the power to do his will. Not in our strength, but in the grace that he has shown to us. He says, I want to empower you to show that kind of grace to others. It will set you free. So in conclusion, what, what does this take? All right, that's what it's supposed to be. I'm hearing that uh, to whom much is given, much is required. I'm I'm hearing that I am to forgive the way the Lord has forgiven me. I'm hearing that I need to give grace the way I receive grace. But, But what does it take? What does it take to be a grace stealer? If that's your heart, which I don't think anybody in here it is, but if it was, you're in luck. It doesn't take much. Just do what comes natural. It's easy. The natural bent towards self. The natural selfishness within every person who's ever drawn a breath will tell you to look out for number one. Will tell you, I just stockpile and keep it for yourself. But if this is the path you choose, I've got some warning for you, friends. We can't obey Jesus' command and live this way. Well, now that you say it like that, it just almost sounds like a sin. Yeah. It's not pleasing to the Lord. It's not what He's asked us to do. It's going against His command. When we begin to live as if we have some kind of corner on the market of grace, but we won't give it to someone else. Well, then what does it take for me to be a grace giver? It'll just cost you everything. This all just everything. Well, not to just do it. And certain components of your life, you may be able to muster that out by just being a good boy or a good girl. I, maybe, maybe some of you could, could muster that out half of the week. But the way Jesus is talking about in all things, in all areas, the way Paul has given us instruction here to live out 9 through 21, it's going to cost us everything. So let's go back to Romans 12, 1 that we started with. We begin to see it's a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. We have to die out daily, allowing Jesus to speak truth to every thought we have, to every feeling that we have, to every desire that we have, and He can give us direction on how to give grace. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of how much He's given to you and me, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. So all the things that Paul says in verse 9 through 21 are tied to this living sacrifice. If you find yourself frustrated, I just can't forgive. My answer to you is, I know you can't. I can't. 
but he can. It requires daily saying, Jesus, I want to die out to what I'm thinking, to what I'm feeling, to what I'm wanting. And I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want your true feelings to impact my feelings. I want your desires to be exchanged. And then I want your desires instead of my desires. This is a a living sacrifice. As we talked last week on what it means to live a life surrendered to the Lord. Is this tied here and more of what it looks like. The command of Christ is to die out to self daily. And freely give others what we've been given in Him. I'm going to ask Pastor Edgar to come and we're going to pray and about 113 seconds we'll all probably be done and out of this room. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to allow this to be the beginning, not the end of what it is that Jesus is saying to you, okay? It can be the end if we just say, good talk, bad voice, good talk, all right, let's go. Let's go play in the snow. Or we could say, Jesus, I think there's a nugget here. I'm beginning to hear you speak to me. I want to be a grace giver. And and I think I am in a lot of areas. But but maybe you're showing me some places where I'm not. I'm not a a gushing waterfall. But maybe I'm, I'm becoming a little bit of a stagnant swimming pool where I'm just hanging on to the grace, but I'm not willing to give it to others. Well, I'll give it to them if the conditions are right or if if the person receives or acknowledges me a certain way. Friend, that's not grace. That's something else. It's a greasy interpretation of grace, but it's not grace. So maybe ask yourself these questions. It's in your outline there. As a prayer to Jesus this week, Jesus, in what ways do you see me being a grace giver? Now, don't just line up for a spanking. He may want to give you a blessing. He may want to say, my son, my daughter, I'm watching you give grace to yourself in this way. I'm watching you be a grace giver to your family in this way. I'm watching you be a grace giver to other Christians around you in this way. I'm, I'm watching you give grace to people who don't know me in this way. In what ways do you feel like Jesus is highlighting where you've been a grace giver? But because we want to grow in him, not just be comfortable, ask the next question. Jesus, in what ways do you see me as being a grace stealer? Now here's where the categories get real important. Some of us in this room, maybe the highlight, the thumb in the back that Jesus is giving is is not so much that you don't give grace to the people around you, you don't give grace to the person in the mirror. You can love on the kids. You can love on your spouse. But when it comes to you, you just have a lot of self-hatred. And Jesus says, you need to give grace to yourself. I'm giving you grace. Why would you not receive that grace? Well, I don't deserve it. Brady, if you knew all the things that I'd done, well, I don't know all the things you've done. But you look pretty human to me, and so I'm pretty confident you don't deserve it. But he knows everything that you've done. And he says, I've given you grace. Why don't you be a grace giver to yourself? Others, maybe the Lord wants to highlight this next category. It's one thing to give grace to the world. One thing to give grace to other Christians. But the people who are closest to you, 
<coughs> Boy, they feel it. Your expectations, and you say it's because you love them, and I'm sure you love them, but your expectations are so high. Maybe around turkey and tables and all kinds of talk about Thanksgiving. This could be a year that we practice and say, Lord, could I go on a hunt for some injustice? And could I, could I give grace to someone in my, in my family? Not because they deserve it, because that's not grace, that's something else. But could I give them grace because you've given it to me right when I don't deserve it? Could, could I look for someone else's blessing instead of turning secretly, most of the time quietly, inward and, and begin to get jealous or to get bitter or begin to get frustrated with yourself? Why haven't I achieved that? Why haven't mom and dad seen me that way? Why, why haven't my faith community looked at me that way? Jesus, could I, could I see this as an opportunity to minister to them? Maybe, maybe Jesus will highlight for you that, that you give grace to yourself, to your family. And maybe it's with your church and other Christians. We give grace to the world. What about the person who sits next to you or across the auditorium for you? It's amazing to me the expectations we have on one another. Friend, family and the family of God is a blessing. But this is a grace gathering. Not a guilt gathering. Oh, I wish I had a louder voice. This is a grace gathering. Not a guilt gathering. We don't gather to point out guilty. Guilty. Really guilty. Pick on you because I love you and I know it's not true. No, no, we, we gather together and it's grace. I want to give to you. What's been given to me and neither one of us deserve it. Good things happen. Good things happen there. Maybe, maybe the Lord wants to talk to us this week about changing the way we see the world. Some of us, out of, I believe, a righteous desire to stand for truth, we can begin to look at people as Satan in the world. Instead of getting angry at Satan and mad at sin, we begin to get mad at people and complacent with sin and complacent with the devil. And we just need to reverse that and be ticked off at what Satan is doing, ticked off at sin, strong on sin, but, but strong in grace and love for people. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who, who really worked to listen to your word today. And Lord, I just ask that the very inadequate Delivery of your word today what would not prohibit my brothers and sisters from receiving what it is that you want to communicate. Jesus, I thank you. You have loved us with an everlasting love. Your grace was not cheap. It wasn't just this band-aid approach that we have a good thing going with you. You love forgiving. We love sinning. We just go on and sin, 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 sin. And you just forgive, forgive. No, no. Your grace calls us to something. And Lord, part of that is you're calling us to live and love the way that you've loved us. Lord, we don't profess we can do this in our own strength. In fact, we're confident we can't. But right now, would you, would you pique the curiosity in this room?
of what it would look like for all of us to be united at Grace Point to be grace givers to ourselves, to our family, to other Christians, and to the world around us. Maybe, Jesus, maybe that's what you mean when you say they will know that we are yours by the way we love one another. It's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Church, would you stand with me? As you take off today, I encourage you, look for the good. Look for the Jesus sighting and someone around you and cling to it. Hang on to it. Don't excuse sin. Don't sweep it under the rug. We'll have nothing to do with it, but love the people. I believe this could be the best Thanksgiving season of your life because you're looking to give grace instead of withhold it. May God bless you. You're dismissed.